This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. All right, Packer and Durham is uh, on the road. Friday in New Orleans, we will be not specifically at Jackson Square. We're going to be at the Washington Artillery Park, which is just south of Jackson. Got some equipment there, some artillery. We can fire some of that stuff in the Mississippi. I, I knew. Can we do that? We got some guns. Some Can rifles. I get out there on that cannon? <laughs> I, I, I don't mind no cannon. Uh, um, Washington Artillery Park is just across the street from uh, Jackson Square going toward the river. I'm sensing by the time we get there, we'll probably be in Biloxi. <laughs> it's on the other side of Decatur Street from Jackson Square. Washington Artillery Park. Our show will be live there Friday morning, 7 to 10 local time, 8 to 11 Eastern. And then Monday morning, 6 to 9 local time, 7 to 10 Eastern. And Saturday afternoon, we'll also make an appearance. Part of nothing but net deal, yeah. Looking forward to being part of that sometime between 4 and 6, yeah. So look Got forward your beads to ready to go? Seeing folks huh? and carrying on and having some Cafe Dumont in the morning. Get some black and gold Saints that beads for not you, happening. Mr. Falcon? That's not happening. Huh? Not happening. You can bring them up there. I'm not wearing them. That's not that's not happening. You call your boy Roman Harper for that. He can put the black and gold. He gets Roman won't be there. Nobody from the SEC is going to be there this no, week. No, no, I don't think so. They might be in New York City getting ready for the NIT final, but they will not be found in New Orleans. Okay, yeah. So there you go. So we'll be in New Orleans. Looking forward to being there uh, and being part of the Final Four with two ACC teams meeting on Saturday night. Winner will advance to meet the winner of Kansas and Villanova for the right to win the national championship in New Orleans. Can't wait. Seemingly, when we go on these big road trips, it's New Orleans, right? We were there for Clemson, LSU. And- yeah, which, got, you know, for NC State fans who I know were bummed out about that whole Bridgeport thing, you know, Clemson that night kind of felt like NC State over the yeah, weekend. That yeah. was a road game yeah, to play yeah. LSU, a great right. LSU team. Yep. That was definitely a road game. It happens sometimes. Of course, yep. the one, it's one thing to be, hey, designated from a, by a committee as opposed to, hey, you kind of knew what the end line was before you get signed up for it. Yeah. So, nevertheless, it'll be a great time. Yeah. Excited, looking forward to it. Right, awesome. Seeing a lot of folks. There, plenty of. We have no tickets, by the way. We well, are not yourself. We're. Oh well, then I'll let some of these folks who've chimed in maybe well, I mean, speak know. with you. That's fine. Former sports marketing executive, and I heard the price is good. <laughs> Prices are really good. That's what I, that's what I the hear. The economy is up. That's what I hear on the ticket market for four those four schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they've got – Kansas has significant fan base, Duke, Carolina. Villanova, people don't realize as successful as they've been, they've got a national alumni base. No doubt about it. They all travel, man. This, Like I said, this is why last week I kept saying about St. Peter's, hey, they're a cool story. Get them out. <laughs> no Johnny come lately's at this one. No. I, I like this kind of tournament. I do. I, yeah. I, I like it when you get to this stage – just like the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I want brands. Yeah. I want brands. Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati, cool story. Give me the brands. Yeah. Give me the brands. It makes it better. Brian, I was pretty excited to be going to New Orleans. He now. should be. He's you in know. North Carolina. Is he going to wear, you think he wears that Joe Forte yeah, jersey down there? Yeah, he gets there? the pom-poms out. I got, no, I got, listen, if you're an alum, you can bring the pom-pom. You can, if if yeah. Maryland was playing, Scott Van Pelt wants to bring out the the black, the gold, the red, the white, the green, and the orange, all the colors that Maryland's got. He can bring all the pom-poms he wants. I got no problem with that. All right. None. Friday if you're an show. alum, you should be a proud alum. Go for it. Friday no show, problems. we're counting on eyes wearing a Serge Wicker jersey. Okay, here we go. Uh, on this date, 
arguably one of the better semifinal games in the last 25 years, 35 years. Uh-oh, math involved. What do you think? Be careful. Uh, March 30th, 1991. This is a game Roy was talking about. Yeah. Duke and Vegas at the uh, artist formerly known as the uh, RCA Dome in Indianapolis. Well, what a game this was. And this was right behind Carolina, Kansas. Roy Williams. Yeah. Head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. Dean Smith. Playing trivia with us. Getting tossed, yeah. yeah. Um, Man, what a game that was. It's the best Final Four I've ever seen. Yeah. And when you think about this Duke team, it's kind of at the other end of the experience marker for Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, that 91 team had 950 minutes of NCAA experience entering the tournament. This Duke team, 24. 24. Just a different era, Wes. No question about that, Pac. But Duke wasn't in the NCAA tournament the last two years. 20, we didn't have one. 21, they didn't make it. Right. So you're really kind of relying on just what Joey Baker and Wendell Moore did basically two years ago. But even if they were, even if we had a tournament and even if they were in it, that number would be pale in comparison to what it was 30 years ago. I mean, guys are one and done. I mean, Duke's a one and done school, per se. Mm-hmm. I know we got the transfer portal going on, all that stuff. So you you expect that number to be small. At yeah. least I did. So here's just a quick flash of their championship teams and their minutes of experience. By the way, Theo John at Marquette also had some NCAA tournament experience. And he comes transfer off the portal. bench for Coach K. Yep, transfer portal guy talking about landscape change. When you look at their uh, tournament teams, I mean, here, here's the look. This is the championship years, 91, 92, 01, 10, and 15. Just to give you an example, landscape of the game changed entirely, as Mark just said. I agree. That 92 team came back for more. And look at all the numbers they brought back with them. I mean, that's just the way the game was in that era. Is maybe 15 more indicative of what the new normal is? Yes, yeah, actually, I think would say it's even smaller now. Mm. But, I mean, you know, in the day and age of a Grand Hill Christian Leitner, do you think they're staying more than a year at Duke if the if those rules – if the today's rules applied 30 years ago, you think they're hanging around? No. Well, are we talking about NIL or just the one and Everything. Done? Yeah. The whole universe is different. I mean, it's a completely different era. It's impossible yeah. to compare. Yeah. But what Duke has done with a bunch of young guys – Getting to uh, New Orleans, terrific, terrific season. But Just, you know what? Those young guys have now had a full season of basketball. Mm-hmm. You, you say, oh, they're freshmen. Yeah, well, they're freshmen, all right. They're really not freshmen. Sure. We played – I mean, they were freshmen when they were playing Kentucky and beating them and Gonzaga and beating them right. back in November. They were freshmen. That's what Al McGuire used to say. Best thing about freshmen, they become sophomores. Yeah, exactly right. right. Um, exactly right. Carolina had 285 minutes of NCAA experience entering the season. Tar Heels have used R.J. Davis, who played a lot as a freshman. Caleb Love played a lot as a freshman. Certainly Armando Baycott, two full years. Uh, but NCAA tournament experience last year. And you cobble together Brady Mannix NCAA tournament experience. That's how you get you end up in that neighborhood. Um, so keep that in mind, too. But Tar- when you compare North Carolina's championship teams, which we will, you'll again start seeing the well, comma. Remember the number from 15 for Duke was 383. Look at Carolina 17. Look, Carolina 17 was 12-36. That was an old team, though. Right. They were not a one-and-done no. team. North Carolina was not. Nope. That was the Bryce Johnson, Kennedy Meeks, Joel Berry, that crowd. You know, the ironic twist of all of this, remember North Carolina went through that crazy investigation that was going on with the, the, 
the books and the classes and all that stuff. And there were a lot of folks going, boy, that was really preventing North Carolina from going to be to go sign the big-time one-and-done guys. Well, they guess what happened? Four years. They got guys that played for four years. And that's mm-hmm. what everybody yeah. wanted to do and become. And still today, how do we get old? Roy had old teams, and they were talented yeah. and well-coached. And, and to a degree, you talked about Jay Wright's greatness. That's what he does. I keep talking about his guards. I mean, it seems like Villanova's had senior guards for two decades. Always. I mean, Josh Hart played in the 16 championship game against Carolina in Houston. He's in the NBA. Terrific player, right? Colin Gillespie, it feels like Colin Gillespie followed Josh Hart, doesn't it? Yeah. That's my <laughs> I mean, point. Colin Gillespie's two times the Big East player of the year. I always used to kid around that Ricky Stokes was at Virginia for 12 years. Othell <laughs> Wilson. I mean, there were guys in Virginia that I'd be like, for crying out loud, they've been there for a decade. Kent Needlin. Right. Played at Virginia for 13 right. years. Right. Matt Harpering at Georgia right. Tech. Right. A decade. certain guys in this league that you're like, man, has he not graduated yet? What's the story? I tell you, I feel when I'm watching Villanova basketball. Their guards are always there. They're always fifth-year seniors. But Jay Wright's a great coach. All these guys. I mean, I'm telling you, this is a really remarkable collection of teams it, coming to New Orleans. It just hit me. <laughs> We've failed to really check in on one of the great insiders of what this week is all about. We you, still have time. Are you going to share it with us or are you going to keep that to yourself? Think about the one guy who you and I love to talk to who would be all over the place if we were asking him about Carolina and Duke at the Final Four and the history of it. It just hit me. Well, are you going to tell everybody or are you just going us to read your Cremens. mind? Oh, he'll be holding. He'll be holding court. You think we could get Cremens to come meet us? At the, he'll, he'll hold. And, yeah, yeah. Mock, mock. I had Bob Huggins on the radio show yesterday. How was that? He, I love Bob Huggins. I do too. And I hope he gets in the Hall of Fame because the fact that How's he's he not, not in the Hall of is, Fame is, is a criminal act. It is that Bob yeah. Huggins in the Hall of Fame. Right. And I love him because he's just gruff. I mean, I just, he's. I just laugh. I laugh with him because he's just. You know, don't bother me. And I said uh, something to him about Kansas yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, Coach, I was going to ask you about playing Kansas, but the last time I saw you play Kansas, you got thrown out of the Big 12 uh, 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 tournament in about six minutes. And he goes, yeah, because I'm surprised I last that long. You know, it was just – but he's on a committee. I said, well, how, are, how is a guy on the rules committee – Yeah. how does he get tossed in a Big 12 tournament game? He goes, I don't know, but I'm getting ready to find out because that official that tossed me is in the NCAA tournament this weekend. But Huggins is great. But there's a bunch of dudes now. They, yeah. You know, you go to this Final Four, for folks who've never been, There's going to the coaches' hotel That's the best place is ever. one of the funniest. I mean, if you want to go kill some time and just roar and laugh. Greatest lobby in America. Oh, my God. Everybody's got their sweatsuits on. Oh, yeah. Everybody's trying to look to see if somebody's going to go get hired. It, it is the funniest place on the earth is the coach's lobby it in is, the Final Four. It's an unbelievable job market. Oh, my God. It, it's people watching galore, and you just sit back with your favorite cocktail and laugh. It's yeah. hilarious. And this town is especially a productive oh coach's God. lobby because it's New Orleans. It's all. It's it's worth a stop by. It is. It's worth. If you're it, it, a fan, you just want to drift through. Find out where the coach's hotel is and go through the lobby. You don't have to do anything except work from one door through the other door in the lobby. Right. At now, any time. Now, don't show up looking for autographs. No, that's no, not. That's, the, that's not yeah, what we're talking not, about. But I'm just yeah. talking about for a sheer 
one to two hours of pure laughter right. and entertainment. Go check out the coaches' live. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. I'm doing that on Friday. I'm definitely going. Until to do it. you got to oh, do, do it. Do it's it. like an amusement park. Correct. And the funny thing is, too, if you can actually buy some sweats, I've always thought it'd be a funny gig to just get. I, I kid around on SiriusXM. Like a tracksuit. Yeah, get a tracksuit. Like, and I, this I, this was my idea for SiriusXM that we get a SiriusXM sweat sweatpants sweatsuit, and we just. We don't do anything. We just walk around the lobby. Yeah. And if you have ever been, you understand what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. If you've never been, you're like, what in the world is Packer talking about? And the amazing thing is, there are people in this business, if like there were a vacant ACC job oh. and they saw us, oh. they'd ask us. There's no doubt. Who do you think's getting that job? Yeah. There's well, no come doubt. on. Now you got to know. Yeah. What do you think? Can you put a good word in? Can for, you put a good uh, word in for a guy over here with the Don't you know the AD? <laughs> no. Not really. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh. Yeah, that's who, because you, when you want, you know, people of influence. Oh, yeah. That's where, us. Where are your guys? That's, that's yeah. exactly right. That's why we're at the, what's the artillery we're going to? Washington Artillery we're be Park. At a rifle range. <laughs> and Metairie is where we're going to be. Slidell. Slidell. Yeah. Yeah. Down by the, out by, we were going to be out by the airport at a Sheraton. We're going to be uh, in the upper deck of Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Doing our show. I think we were actually going to be at that Sheraton and Metairie at the airport. <laughs> the one you see as you leave. But Brooks, I tell you what, if we didn't have Drew Brooks at the wheel of this show, I think we would be at Sheraton at the airport. Uh, we're just glad to be out of there. That's exactly right. All right, kids. On the other side, Felicia Leggett Jack is the new boss at Syracuse. But it means something to number 33. Pretty cool. She will join us next. On Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Wednesday. Show number 596. That's it. So we're counting down not only this week, but also 600 on Tuesday of That's next right. week. Yeah. Shirt and tie, coat and tie. Mandatory. We will be uh, dressed up, or at least yeah. uh, pretending to be. Yeah, we will. Next Tuesday. Um, Felicia Leggett Jack is a great story. Born in Syracuse, grew up in Syracuse, played at Syracuse, yep. was a former assistant coach at Syracuse, and has worked at Michigan and other facilities, or Michigan State and other schools as assistants, and has been a head coach, Indiana, and most recently at Buffalo. But now with the transition and vacancy for the women's job at Syracuse, her alma mater came calling. And Felicia Leggett-Jack answered that call from John Wildhack, and we asked her, what's it like being back at your alma mater? Uh, surreal, you know. I, I've been very blessed to uh, have John Wildhack give me a call and say that I was one of the candidates for this opportunity. And you don't take anything for, thing for granted. I've never done. I always just put my head down and did the work and, and hope that, you know, one day that, you know, this day will come. And through the interviewing process, it was a, it was hard. He, he, he put us through it. He put me through it and asked some tough questions. And not just once, one day, two days. It was a three-day uh, situation. Uh, we, he, we, they wanted to get it right, and I wanted to get it right. And so the last words he shared with me was that, you know, you didn't just get this job. You've earned this job and this opportunity to come back home and uh, work at your alma mater. So I'm humbled. I'm blessed. And I'm, I'm excited for the challenge ahead. 
Coach, who says you can't come back home, right? Man, come on. Let's roll out that orange yeah. carpet and let's go, right? Come it on. It might, might take a day or two or 22 years, but hey, who's counting? <laughs> By the way, when you walk in that building, though, and you look up and you see your name, you see your jersey. You're the only woman who's got the jersey up there. Uh, I mean, you've really kind of come full circle, though, haven't you? I mean, it really is an amazing story. It took out me to glory, you know. I, I never, ever, ever played this game for accolades. I, I played this game, you know, for my God, my family, myself, and, and whoever I played for, which happened to be Syracuse, to get the, the residuals of that effort. And and I and, and those awards are great. My son came back and, and with me as I received this honor to be the head coach. And, you know, this is a kid that doesn't show any emotions. And he said, Mama, I, I'm weak at the knees. I, I can't believe this day has come. And so to have my family feel so prideful about this opportunity, it makes it really a, a, an amazing moment. But I never look at my, my accolades that I've done in the past and, and, and feel like that got to inspire me and to say something different. My whole journey now in life is to work with young people and help them become what their dreams have been stored in their heads and, and make it a reality. But Felicia, there's this part where, I mean, you win 20 or more three times at Buffalo. You won 25 this year. You know what the NCAA tourney, uh, journey is like. You were an assistant at Syracuse after your playing days. Your your coaching journey is admirable. So this this just has to feel like this is the right thing for everybody, not just you. This is This is just kind of the way it needs to be, I would think. You know, it is the right thing to do at this time. I, one thing that I, I've always done is taken jobs that, that needed my, my service. And, and most jobs that I've gotten have been broken. You know, Hofstra was in the need of a coach uh, that can help, you know, heal it. Uh, Indiana, I was a third coach in three years, and they need some restoration there. And uh, it worked for a little while. At the end, it didn't. But it was, it was, we served our purpose. So I think both of us got what we needed out of that, that situation. And then Buffalo was an opportunity that – you know, who picks up a young a coach who was 6-21 and 21 there last year? Uh, a school that says, I want to give you an opportunity to interview, not necessarily get an opportunity to be our head coach. But they didn't realize that I've been out for three months, and I looked at those kids, and they needed my service, not necessarily as a coach per se on the basketball court, but a coach in life. And that was a, a, a nice marriage, if you will. And uh, they, they, they needed me, I think, and I needed them because I needed to, to be whole again. And here at Syracuse, opportunities to come back home. I tried to get here a couple of times and it wasn't the right time. But God said, delay, not denied. And at this time, at this most brokenness, uh, I get this opportunity. And our goal is to, to, to heal these young ladies, to let them realize that they matter. And then uh, they put the ball in the air and, and they say, jump ball, they bring officials. Uh, we're going to compete to win. Coach, yesterday we had Coach Mox on, who's the new head basketball coach at Virginia. Another school with great tradition, history, facilities, but going through some tough times. Uh, we've seen Syracuse in the Final Fours recently as six years ago. Uh, there's not to say that there's parallels here, but there really are some parallels. These are two schools, new coaches that have the ability that when everything is right, it can really be right. So what's the first step for you putting it back together at Syracuse? Well, I can't go by uh, that name of Maka Gugwa. She's very, very important to me. She, uh, she's a young lady that played for me, and we work together, and I'm so proud of her. And if she can rebuild it, if anybody can rebuild it, 
it is her. She has the pedigree and she has the formula. And I'm so proud of her. Um, what we're not going to do is try to take this thing into our tomorrows because we need to love today. These, this, this team has been broken for way too long uh, to, to really worry about our tomorrows. And so what we're going to do is day by day build it. And those who stay, those who work hard, those who believe, uh, they will be crowned champions, not necessarily just on the basketball court, but champions in life because we don't just raise a, a banner. We raise young people to be phenomenal women, and that's our goal here. And that, that's my, my, my journey in life as I enter into my uh, mid-50s. Well, I want to tell you, it's big that a former Michigan State assistant would paraphrase a former Michigan football coach. So that's good. I like that. It shows oh. you're willing to walk. That shows you're willing to walk the bridge a little bit. Um, all right. Here's the here's the other piece about this. It's this is the advantage I think everybody in your situation has. Two two part here. One. You know your school because you're proud of your school. I've never met a Syracuse grad that wasn't proud to go there. They didn't have to play sports, but they're all proud to have been there. But here's the other thing you know. Felicia, you know this might have just been, and still in process, the best year ACC women's basketball's ever had. Yes. To that effect, how does that impact the job you've got ahead, too, knowing that this league might be, in some cases, if not the best, one of the three best leagues in the country. Oh, we're coming. We're coming. And uh, in every place I've gone, I said we're going to be the perennial whatever conference that is. Uh, no one really had a lot of respect for our Mike conference. And so what we decided to do is take two teams to the Sweet 16 at the same time. And we said, well, you're not going to give us respect. We're going to demand it. And now my colleagues are doing such a great job in, in Louisville and what NC State did last night and uh, all the young the teams that's, that's, that's moving and shaking. I, I really am so proud to be a part of an of, of, of incredible group of colleagues that have such a pedigree for winning. And so what I hope that I do and my colleagues that's just entered into this conference is to just make it 1% better day by day. By the way, when John Waldhack called you to offer you the job officially, I mean, I know you talked about how this is so important, you coming home, but that, that had to be a, just a, a surreal moment too, wasn't it? Because John's one of our favorites. He's just a smart dude. He understands the business aspect of it. He understands the importance of college athletics and student-athlete relationship and all that stuff. But that had to be an incredible phone call. It really was because, you know, you know he, he, I was with him when we raised the banner. You know, he's, uh, he, he's on, the, on the cutting edge, you know. It's 50 years of, uh, of women in sports here, and uh, he's, he's been here, I think, five years, and he's the one that saw women, saw them truly, and said that we deserve an opportunity. And he didn't just put one person in the rafters. He, he put two women in the rafters in, in his five-year tenure here so far. And I'm used to him being silly and fun and goofy and, and just, just a businessman that, that knows his stuff. But boy, when I was in that interviewing process, that was a pit bull right there. And so don't look at that little frame and think that he's just a nice guy. He, he's a, he, it's the reason why he's been successful at ESPN. It's the reason why uh, Syracuse has grown expeditiously since he's been here. He's a tough young man and a tough, tough man and our chancellor as well. And so I'm excited. I'm ex I know that when days get tough and I feel like I have no answers, I know when I go to John, I know that I'm going to get some real strong answers. And I know somebody that actually has, the, again, that word pedigree to help us move forward and help me overcome. All right. Uh, same question we asked Amaka yesterday. What's, uh, what's job one here? Staff, recruiting, 
play around in the portal a little bit. How, do, how does the rebuild in uh, Central New York start? Uh, you got to start with you know staffing, and we're gonna we're working right now in the background to to, to figure out what staff we're gonna bring for sure. We're certainly uh, uh, talking to people about you know joining me on this journey, and mm-hmm. um, you know the, the the portal is um something that we're we're dabbling as well, because as you can see, there, this is a fluid thing where people are getting the portal from this team, and and as people go on the portal. I got to be able to go bring some more people in. But one thing that we're, we're going to do a little bit different, <clears throat> I think that's been done here. If you want to leave Syracuse, I think that I, there's no way I can stop you. And so we're not going to put a lot of energy in that. We're going to wish you well and, and let them know that, you know, we're going to be tied for the rest of our lives because we're both uh, people that went to Syracuse and, and, and love this as an as a orange sister. But I have to continue to, to grow this program. They charged me with bringing a good product here. So we're going to build this with our character. We're going to build this with our academic strength. We're going to build this with understanding that if you want to play basketball, you want to go global and let everybody to know what that block S stands for, you're going to come to play for Syracuse because this is the place where basketball rules throughout the world. And it's, of course, Jim Beheim has the one, is the GOAT and created this atmosphere. But I think that they're going to see women, too, can become if the right person's in charge. And so I'm hoping that I'm the right person. We're excited about our cab approach. And we're going we're gonna to let people know that Syracuse University women's basketball is live and well. We touched Final Four before. We're going to do it again. We're just going to do it our way. Coach, before we let you go, uh, we've been asking all the coaches uh, this question the last couple months. And since this is your debut, this is perfect. We'll get the chance <laughs> to know a little bit more about you. Uh, what's your favorite walk-up song? What's the song that gets you juices flowing in the morning, man? Let's say it's whether it be game day or recruiting trail or whatever the case may be. What's the go-to? Well, well, our our, our new song is here. We are family. I got my <laughs> orange village in me. When I tell you, we got that orange village. This thing right here, the orange village, you is yeah. a sight to see. And we're yeah. coming to you, or we're gonna come through you. And uh, we're gonna do it with a smile. If you move out the way, it won't hurt you. But if you stay in the way, we got to come through anyway. I love it. All Listen, right. congratulations <laughs> on the new gig. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I humbly accept your, your kind words, and I'll see you soon. Tell you what, Felicia Leggett-Jack's got all the tools to be successful there, doesn't she? Sure hope so. Seems yep. like a wonderful lady. Absolutely. When we come back, off to Chapel Hill, North Carolina's athletic director is Bubba Cunningham. You talk about a lot going on. This guy's finding planes too, isn't he? Member of the basketball committee, now the AD of a Final Four participant. We'll check in with the Carolina boss next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. Let's get right to it. Our next guest yeah. will be making his seventh appearance. He's three away from a mug. Uh, he's also two wins away from another national championship ah, in man. men's basketball. Bubba Cunningham, athletics director at North Carolina. Uh, quick question here. Do you know anybody we can get some tickets from? Any tickets? You got any tickets? Can you can you help a brother out with some tickets? I, I think so. I'm going to call Nina King over at Duke. I think she's got a bunch. Of, and she's, she's always said that anything she could do to help me, she's more than willing to do. And she's, she's so reliable. So I'm going to give her a buzz for you. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to end the same way, Wes. I, I think we're going to be thumbing a ride yeah. is what we're going to be doing yeah. on this one. Uh, this is unbelievable in some respects, isn't it? Uh, it is absolutely. Um, 
it, it's been fantastic. You know, you, you hope and dream that this stuff happens. And I, I cannot express how excited I am for Hubert and for the team. And, you know, all he talks about is the team. He talks about he's had his day in the sun. And this is an opportunity for these kids to have those same experiences. But he's a first-time head coach. And for, for all of us to witness this with Hubert enjoying what he's doing, enjoying his imprint on these kids and these opportunities, it is really special. And uh, we're not taking it for granted. It's a, a unique experience to be going to the Final Four uh, with a first-time head coach. Um, it's not unique, but it certainly is rare. Bubba, we talked uh, with Nina King yesterday, and of course the chair of the Women's Basketball Committee. Uh, there's been obviously a ton of questions. Even though they had three ones and a two make it to the Final Four, you're on the Basketball Committee for the men. How difficult was this year from a seeding process and now what we see coming to a finished product with all these blue bloods showing up in New Orleans? It was really a challenge. Um, you know, we, we felt like the, the top four were the top four. But as it played out, obviously only one of the top four made it to, um, to the championship, to the final four. And so that was unique. There were a couple of real outliers, and it's probably like that every year. We have two or three teams that their net was really high, but you know we, the competition they played wasn't that significant. And so we didn't seed them very high, but they did very well in the tournament. And others had really low nets, and then they did very well in the tournament. So it, it is a challenge each and every year. I do think the last three years have made it more complicated by not having a tournament, having a tournament in the bubble, and now having fans back and playing in multiple cities over multiple weekends. I think it, it was different um, for most people. You know, we have a, a fairly experienced team with Leakey and with uh, Armando, but they've never played in this environment. They haven't had to travel. Uh, Leakey has, but he's the only one. So it is new, and it's a new experience. And, um, and I could not be more pleased with, with how they've come through it and more excited for, for our fans and for the kids. Look, you've hired a lot of coaches, and you just mentioned it. I mean, the, and Roy was with us yesterday from his porch and told us that, uh, <laughs> you know, the, Hubert was – there were some bumps in the road here. I mean, there were some, some shots being fired and things like that. I mean – but there's a maturation process. And, you know, and I said this earlier in the show with Luke DeCock, I think there's a cautionary tale for the transition John Shire is going to go through, which actually adds another layer to the whole Duke Carolina thing Saturday night, Bubba. Duke's getting ready to go through what you just went through in terms of a guy yeah. who's been associated with the program for a length of time, taking over one of the proudest basketball traditions in the country. And there is an expectation that's built in about that. And Hubert, despite the, the early setbacks, Handled it beautifully by, and I think you hit this right on the head, keeping it about the team. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, when, when Coach Williams called me last year and said that uh, he was going to retire, uh, the first person I talked to after that was Hubert. And I know Hubert was interested, but I said, Hubert, I'll tell you right now, my biggest concern is that you've not been a head coach. And I'll tell you right now, as I get into this search, I'm, my predisposition is to hire somebody with head coaching experience. Every single coach I've ever interviewed said, I've done everything the head coach does except call timeouts. And then they get the job and they realize, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And particularly at North Carolina. North Carolina basketball is an incredibly challenging job. Everyone expects you to win every single game. And you have to win some games by a big margin. But what the coaches don't realize is all of the time commitments that are required for the job. 
It is, you know, the basketball is one thing, but you have to recruit, make every decision about recruiting. You have to make every decision about where do you spend your time and how do you allocate your time. You have uh, development opportunities, you have media obligations, you have campus obligations, you have your own personal obligations to your family. All of those things are just 24-7 and that is probably the most underrated things that coaches think. They do think that transition. They all talk about, well, you know, as an assistant coach, I get to make suggestions. Now as a head coach, I make decisions. But they're making decisions in so many different areas that they do not anticipate. And that really takes time to work your way through. And I thought he did a fantastic job doing that. And I think it's reflective of the personality of the team that's reflective of Hubert's personality. But I want to get back to the, the basketball committee for a second, just out of curiosity's sake. We always hear about all the, the elements that you tie in to try to figure out, hey, this team's a three because of the following reasons. This team's an eight seed because of the following reasons. You mentioned a net a second ago as a couple of the reference points. What are the most important aspects when trying to judge the quality of a team for the basketball committee? You know, Pac, it's a, it's a great question, and it's absolutely impossible to answer. Mm. Um, we have a whole series of metrics. You know, you talk about quad one wins, quad two wins, quad four losses. You talk about the net. You talk about the conference strength of schedule. You talk about the non-conference strength of schedule. So we, we're overwhelmed with metrics. And so, and we have 12 people. And so I may value the net. Someone next to me may value the non-conference strength of schedule. Somebody else may value their offensive or defensive efficiency. And so all of us are then saying, well, we think this team should be in for the following reasons. And we, we have to debate that. And when you get down to those last couple of teams, it becomes a challenge. And then when you seed them, Again, what are you going to consider as the most important criteria for making this team a one versus a two or this team an eight versus a nine? And then it is amazing to me how many questions we get about, well, obviously you wanted to put this team in this region so they'd have this matchup or it, we never ever even think about that or talk about it. What happens is we spend a lot of time, who should be in the field is number one. Number two, how should we seed them? And then the bracketing almost takes care of itself because we do it geographically once you get through the, the top four seeds. So a lot of that, all the things that we talk about is just a, uh, a coincidence to how we seeded the teams going into the tournament. All right, I'm gonna follow up. And I want you to brag here, all right? I know you don't like to do this, but I'm gonna put you in a position to brag a little bit with the committee. Give me an argument that took place with the committee in which you took a position and it turned out to be true based on what we saw in the tournament? <laughs> well, I thought that Carolina was underrated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, can't I, I, I can't be in the room when they discuss right, Carolina. Right. I, I will say that um, I, I know I'm biased, Cripes. How, how are you not biased? But I felt like our league was underrated all year. I think that uh, when, when you go through our league, even in a quote-unquote down year, and can win 15 games, 14 games, you've had a great year. And certainly, you're not going to be perfect going through it. But um, you know, that's one thing that I, I really did think that right. uh, we had a good league. And now getting a couple of the Final Four is really helpful. So, so you're not surprised at 13-3 and three heading to the Final Four? 
Oh, I did, uh, no, I, I, I'm surprised. I mean, I have to admit, I think we have a good league. And I had no idea how we would come out. I had no idea how the other teams would come out. Quite frankly, at the end of the ACC season, I thought the uh, Virginia Tech was our best team. They mm -hmm. ran through the ACC tournament. They were terrific. I, they, they have a, a great team. Um, but, you know, Wake Forest also had a great year as well. And, you know, they didn't get in the tournament. They had a good NIT run. And uh, they're going to be a, a powerful team going forward. So the ACC is a great league, and we're just delighted. We're here. We're delighted Carolina's here, or uh, Duke is here as well. And um, we're looking forward to getting down to New Orleans. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one more question about the committee here, just, and I'm going to give you a, a, an opportunity to tell me what you would say to this room. Uh, about five weeks from now, you're going to be at the spring meetings in Florida. And the basketball head basketball coaches on the men's side and the women's side, for that matter, are going to be in rooms. And I'm going to let you go in that room and tell them the number one thing they need to be cognizant of about their non-conference schedule. What would you say based on the committee experience? Well, I do think, and again, coaches really want that answer, and there's not a definitive answer, unfortunately. Sure. But you need number one, you need to win games. And right. so if, if you and I think that that gets caught up. So if you don't think you're going to be a strong team, I do think scheduling a little bit softer non-conference is important. I do think you need to be, you know, try to get around at least 500 in the ACC in your conference tournament. And then if you can play a couple of uh, MTEs and maybe get some power five or not or some of the uh, top net teams in a neutral site. I think that's very helpful. Okay. Again, you want to avoid bad losses and get as many good wins as you can. And, and, and there's, there's not a science to it, and you have to kind of luck into it depending on what talent you have that particular year. Totally separate issue, and I always appreciate the time. Any new news being whispered down the hallway regarding name, image, and likeness, and legislation, and guidelines, mm -hmm. or are we still as lost in the middle of the universe with this one as we were six months ago? Yeah, I think we are somewhat lost in the middle of the universe. I know the Senate's having some uh, discussions today. Uh, Senator Murphy's having some panel discussion today. I think everybody really understands the value of college sport in society. I think we're really trying to figure out what is the right distribution of revenue associated with college sports. Yeah. NIL is a part of it. The transfer portal is a part of it, the freedom of movement. Um, and, and we're just working through that rather clumsily and awkwardly. Um, part of it is because we've got, we have so many legal challenges, so you have the judicial branch moving in one direction. You have the NCAA legislative process that moves quite slowly. And then you have the Congress with the potential for legislative action that would happen at the federal level. So all three of those are somewhat colliding, and it's probably going to take us two or three years to, to work through that. Um, again, people understand the value of college sports. Uh, the economics of college sports have changed so much in the last 20 to 30 years. What is the appropriate revenue distribution? And that's what we're struggling with. Bubba, can college sports as a whole survive two or three years without there being some kind of rule or regulation? I mean, I, I can't even imagine what we're going to look at if it stays basically status quo for another two or three years in that department. 
it will survive. I mean, there's too much investment in it. We've made too much investment. Other universities have made too much investment. The kids are here. It is, you know, we're providing half a million students the opportunity to go to college. There's $3 billion of financial aid associated at the NCAA level. We are going to have college sports. Just We're just going to have to organize how we run, jump, swim, and play. It's going to happen. It will be clumsy. It'll be awkward. It'll be frustrating. But we'll have to figure out this new economic model. You know, will students become a different relationship to the university? Will there be some type of collective bargaining? Will there be federal legislation? Where will the courts take us? It just takes time to work through those. We're at a, a very critical time in, in higher ed, a critical time in college athletics, but it's not going to go away. It's just gonna look a little bit different uh, five to 10 years from now. All right, I wanna I want wrap a, at least my portion of this on this thought. You're so good and you've done it at so many different places, but even in this time of upheaval in the collegiate landscape, do you still find yourself the pillars of facilities, coaching, academic enrichment, resources, all those things stay the same, even in the upheaval of name, image, and likeness and all this other stuff, I'm guessing. Absolutely. And, and I love it. And our chancellor, Kevin Guskowitz, sent out an email to the campus community prior to last weekend and said, you know, this is why we have sports. It is a, a way to build a sense of community, a sense of pride. It's our, our coaches teaching life lessons to our student athletes, our student body getting together, our university rallying behind something that's going on at the campus. And what we try to do in athletics is we want to support everybody else, whether it is what's going on with our Moorhead Kane scholars, what's going on in innovation and entrepreneurship. We're part of the fabric of this culture. That's what makes it unique in the United States and how we handle intercollegiate athletics embedded in the academy. We're struggling with that relationship, but it's critically important. We had over 7,000 students apply for the lottery for 700 tickets in New Orleans. We had over 8,000 uh, Rams Club members apply for tickets, and we had 3,000 of those for alumni and fans to go to the game. It is something that's very important to all of us. So we're, we're going to continue to uh, to work through it, and it's just, it's just fun to be a part of it. But fundamentally, and you hear Hubert talking about it, is we're providing educational opportunities for kids to come to the North Carolina to play a sport and have great experiences inside the classroom and outside. I fundamentally believe that. The economics of it, we're gonna have to figure that out. Bubba, congratulations again on all your success. Tra uh, safe travels and uh, just leave two at the front desk and uh, we'll be good to go. <laughs> we'll come by the hotel, scoop them up. <laughs> Thanks, man. Good to see Thanks you. Thanks, you guys. Can't, can't wait to see you guys down there. Looking yeah, forward to you, it. We you are too. It. Thank you very much. Bubba Cunningham, Athletics Director at North Carolina. Boy, is he smart. How many times have we talked about the leadership oh, in this conference? Gosh. I mean, the man – uh, walks in the room with all these athletic directors, mm. and the ACC has never had a better collection of athletic directors ever, Yeah, ever. So the leadership, without question, is there. And we clear kind of the traffic of the athletic and academic calendar a little bit as we move towards spring. And with baseball, softball, we got other sports obviously in play. We're going to share the student-athletes with you, the coaches, the story, the newsmakers. But also, as you know from following our show, I hope, over nearly 600 shows, we get a chance also to do some deep dives with ADs and other people who are involved in the business of college athletics. That's where you're really going to see the difference this league is making nationally, I think. 
Well, his his answer about the two to three years of name, image, and likeness oh boy. is newsworthy, yep. in my opinion. All right, sit tight. On the other side, there is news in Tallahassee. A legend steps down, and a former star takes over. We'll show you that and some final thoughts on this program next. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Hey, don't forget, number 16, Clemson, South Carolina. Softball tonight, 7 o'clock, right there in the middle of Tiger Town. Nothing like Gamecocks and Tigers to get things rolling for you on a uh, on a Wednesday night. That'll be spirited. Yes, yes, it will. Thank you very much. Coming up for you on ACC Network, streaming live on the ESPN app. Uh, thanks to Bubba Cunningham, Felicia Leggett-Jack, Trey Cunningham, no relation to Bubba, Scott Satterfield, Luke DeCock. Another busy show tomorrow on a Thursday, and then we travel to New Orleans. We'll be at Washington Artillery Park on Friday morning. 8 to 11 will be the air times for Packer and Durham on this uh, ACC Network channel, sir. And big news out of Florida State yesterday. Yeah, Mark Krikorian out. Is, uh, I don't know what the next uh, phase will be for him, but, man, what a brilliant coach with an incredible job. Amazing legacy leaves with Florida State women's soccer. And within the last 25 minutes, Brooke Wyckoff's been announced as the new women's basketball coach. Great Florida State star, longtime assistant for Sue Simrall, was the interim head coach a season ago. Coach Sue retires and Brooke takes over. That seems like a seamless transition. We wish her well and Coach Sue. So there you go. No doubt about it. Uh, Thank you to Drew Brooks, Brian Ives, Chrissy Velez, all on board today for a big show. We do one more here from the basement, and then by golly – We're amongst them starting on Friday. Right? The Big Easy. Yeah. We'll be there. See you tomorrow morning at 7 on Packer and Durham. Have a good day, everybody. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.